0: And good afternoon. My name is Brian Adams. I'm filling in for the last day for Buzz, who was on his way back to Massachusetts after a week and a half gallivanting up and down the East Coast. Um, So let's get back to political organizing. We had on the show yesterday two activists from the Peace Development Fund talking about about funding small activist groups, and we're going to continue with that political activist theme today. And I want to throw this, what I find is somewhat alarming statistic out from the U.S. Census Bureau. The 2020 presidential election had the highest voter turnout of the 21st century. And you think, oh my God, that's great, you know, 80, 90% of the people voted. No, somewhere around two-thirds of citizens, 18 years and older, voted in the election, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. That means one-third, one out of three Americans did not vote when the choices were so stunningly clear between Trump on the one hand and Biden on the other. And, and that, I think, is a concern for de- democracy. One of the tenets of democracy is not just the right to vote, but to vote. And we ha- when we have one out of three people not voting, that is concerning. So we're welcoming to the show today Paul Spector. Paul is a self-proclaimed election nerd he is an activist, he is an organizer, and he's really focused on trying to direct people to uh, get out the vote, to get other people to vote, and to sort of save this marvelous concept of democracy. Paul, welcome to the show and thanks for being here.
1: Thank you, Brian, thanks for having me on. Let's,
0: let's, let's start with, uh, with this issue. Why is it that one-third of Americans do not vote?
1: Well, you know, America is – the maybe it's because of our system that we have, our electoral system, or because of our education system, but we are not a very politically oriented country, nor have we been for a long, long time. Um, maybe it's just because we have two parties, a lot of people tune out. Um, given the education level that people have about candidates and about policy – I don't bemoan anymore the fact that a third of people don't vote because they vote um, from a feeling sense. Remember the old uh, the Gore and Bush uh, election, which was I'd rather have a beer with George Bush than Al Gore. Didn't matter about climate change. Didn't matter about foreign policy. It just I kind of like that guy more. So it's a combination of things. One is people are disinterested, and two is they really don't know, and that's a vast majority of Americans. Um, I think we need to reintroduce civics classes in our educational system like a lot of us who are older had when we were younger. I think basic understanding of how our government works would be a start.
0: Um, Paul, your your organizing efforts are focused on getting people out to vote in swing districts throughout the country. Um, You initiated this marvelous uh, um, concept of the Friday Working Group. Can you talk a little bit about that and what those get-out-the-vote efforts look like?
1: Sure. So we started right after the Women's March, after Trump's inauguration in 2017, and it came about when I just felt like I needed to do something, and I said, okay, I've got to do something here. Trump's been elected. I was so upset. I've done other political work in the past. I said, I need to do something. I said, I'm going to commit myself to making a half hour a day carved out where i either write letters, make phone calls, raise money. I did that for maybe three days, and then I just felt more alienated and alone, and so I called a couple of friends. I said, hey, you know, how about coming over on a Friday, and maybe every Friday for an hour we'll get together and we'll do some kind of political action. They said, that's great. People called and said, can I invite a friend over? Sure. We had 40 people show up at my house. I mean, there was tremendous energy then, to defeat Trump and Trumpism. And so that's how we began every Friday morning. uh, We never had fewer than I think 18 people. We did all kinds of different kinds of political actions from writing postcards to making phone calls to raising well over $400,000 for various candidates and organizations. And then when COVID hit, um, we went on Zoom, which was quite amazing because we went from this group of probably 40 or 50 of us rotating on Fridays to now a mailing list of 1,200, and we're nationally uh, organized with various teams. And now we really can be effective. We all focus on one, perhaps two actions at the same time on any given week. And so that's what we're doing. We're Right now we're going to be working for the next couple of weeks in Pennsylvania. We've been asked by a group there to send Uh, very important letters to a specific group of registered Democrats who often don't turn out in the midterms. And they're going to get a letter with an absentee ballot application. And we're going to send out total with us in another group, about 180,000 of those. And we've been part of research projects which show that that kind of letter writing, that kind of work, that is data-driven. We understand it will produce a lift of somewhere around four or five percent in terms of voter turnout,
0: which is, which is huge.
1: Actually huge. It's huge.
0: So your strategy is not to convince Republicans of um, policy uh, issues, but instead to get registered Democrats in these swing districts out to vote. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, there are very. I mean, we've really reached a point where there are very few persuadable. Voters out there. And it takes so much energy to both find out who they are and then the energy to persuade them to move in your direction. So that is a, especially in a midterm election, which is a base to base election, Democratic base versus Republican base, it's really important to get your base out. And so that's why we'll be focusing on 95% of the Democrats in Pennsylvania will be voting uh, Democratic for the senator the governor and for the congressional races that are so important this year.
0: And how do you choose where to target your efforts? Like why, why Pennsylvania? Yep.
1: Okay. So Pennsylvania, one of the things is I try and help people understand that the you want to try and place where your work has multiple effects. So in a state like Pennsylvania, I say, look, if you contribute to this congresswoman, for example, we did a fundraiser for Susan Wild, who's Pennsylvania's 6th district toss-up race. If, if you contribute money to that congressional race, helping her to get out the voters in her district, the Democratic voters in her district, then that's also going to help the Senate race and the governor's race. And so suddenly you really get a, a threefer for your money, and that's true whether you're doing money work on like that phone call if you want to choose a state that has multiple toss-up elections and pennsylvania is once again the center because you've got an incredibly important governor's race uh, that is unfortunately extremely close you have mastriano doug mastriano the republican who initially republicans just like they did with Trump, said this guy is too crazy for us to even elect. That was the Republican establishment. And now they're getting behind him. And if he wins as the governor, we are in serious trouble in 2024, uh, winning that state for the presidency. In addition, you have a very important Senate race, Fetterman versus Dr. Oz. um, And then you also have a couple of close uh, House races. So that's why we choose Pennsylvania to work in right now.
0: And how do you, when you say we choose, is it you doing the choosing or is there a group of you, election nerds, figuring this out? How do you... How- uh,
1: it's it's me doing it in consultation with discussing this with other folks, but I'm using kind of the royal we. I actually make the final decision You're- um, after talking to a lot of folks, but um, that's where I'm kind of a self-proclaimed... Which may not be a good thing. No, I, I, I'm a self-proclaimed
0: lots or. of things. but Yeah.
1: So, I mean, and I do have, I follow this, you know, very closely and have for a long, long time. And so I make the final calls. But, but you know, the final calls are really, we Pennsylvania, we might have ended up doing uh, New Hampshire was another possibility, Wisconsin. But, you know, there were a couple of little factors, including the fact that I've worked before with the amazing organization out of Bucks County. So some of what I look for... Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Also Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Mm. Swing County in a swing district. And they have just an amazing group of folks who work there. And that's the other thing I look for, because not all organizations, Democrats or Republicans, election campaigns are created equally. Some are more competent than others. Some are more experienced than others. And Bucks County, the folks in the Democratic Party organization in Bucks County really know what they're doing they're very data-driven as i am so we're not just doing performative you know writing of postcards because we feel good it's we really know who needs to get them when they need to get them what the message needs to be and it's tested out
0: so you you talk about uh, a concerted organizing effort such as this sending uh ballots out to registered democrats sending postcards out encouraging them to vote as maybe um um uh coming in with four or five percent points percentage points increase in in voting turnout how do you gauge the effectiveness of, of that how, how do you know you, okay that's yeah, happening? Great
1: question. so this this is a very large one so usually on say postcards you're talking more about a one to two percent lift. the reason we know is we we were the group that helped both fund and provided the manpower to send out approximately 25,000 of these letters. So we had a control group. So this is with the folks in Bucks County. We did a research project. This was many months ago for the primary. We had a control group, which did uh, not get any letters. Same kind of folks, you know, who we identified as intermittent voters um, of a certain, there were certain criteria we thought would be most effective to reach. 25,000 got our letter, 25,000 did not, and we had about a 6% increase among those who got the letter. That's well, how we know it's effective. That oh, that is, that is that is
0: impressive points. and it's scientific. I mean, it makes Yes. it makes sense. And huh. what's
1: frustrating, if I can talk about the frustrating part is we know this is what works, but you know, uh, I hate to say it, but Demo- Republicans don't have a lock on anti-science and anti-rational thinking. Rational thinking. Because even in the Democratic Party right now, I would wish we had a lot more money so that we could do 50,000 of these letters. And where should we get the money? Well, the Democratic Party should give it to us because Fetterman has tens of millions of dollars. So does Shapiro running for governor. Um, but the way the organization works is at the county level, the Democratic parties have very, very few funds to work with. And so even though we know this works, it's very frustrating that we can't get the funding to do as big a project as we would like.
0: So much of politics is money-driven, and at the direct organizing level, it's no different. We're talking with Paul Spector. Paul is a self-proclaimed election nerd. We're talking about getting out the vote for progressives, not just in uh, the valley here, but throughout the country. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the House and Senate races and the some of the close calls that we'll be looking forward to in the September primaries and the November general election. Stay with us.
2: This is the Better afternoon buzz TV with Buzz
3: Eisenberg, 101.5. So HFT.
0: The primary is only six weeks away, and the race for the Democratic nomination for lieutenant governor is heating up. We'll be speaking with one of the candidates for Lieutenant Governor, Eric Lesser, the state senator for the first Hamden and Hampshire district. Eric Lesser will be our guest Wednesday at 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9. And again at 5. WHMP News,
4: Information, and the Arts.
5: Hi, I'm Missy Tetro Assistant Vice President and Senior Mortgage Originator at Greenfield Cooperative Bank and its Northampton Co-op Bank Division. And I'm Mortgage Originator Kimberly Gates. If you're looking to buy a home, now's the perfect time to save on your Greenfield Co-op Mortgage. That's right. We can save you up to $1,000 on your mortgage closing costs. Don't miss the opportunity to receive a $750 closing credit plus another $250 when we pre-qualify you. Chat with one of our experienced mortgage originators at any of our Hampshire and Franklin County locations to get started. Or, if you're ready, visit our new website at bestlocalbank.com and start your application online. So come on over to the co-op and see me, Kimberly Gates, or me, Missy Tetreault, and save up to $1,000 on your closing costs. Close by September 30th Be a first-time mortgage customer or refinance from another loan provider. Minimum $1,000 loan subject to change or end without notice. Other conditions apply. See bank for details. Greenfield Cooperative Bank is an equal housing lender. Member FDIC, member DIF.
4: You can count on your friends at the co-op.
6: Lundgren
2: Honda. Experience it. Now, it isn't just one thing. It is everything you expect when you're looking for your next car, your first car, or to repair your car. Award-winning customer service, no hassle, negotiation-free pricing, and friendly, familiar faces you know and trust with your vehicle.
0: All that and the best selection, the most pre-owned vehicles you'll find anywhere in Franklin County and beyond. Over 100 to choose from, including five Honda Civics in stock, five HRVs, five CRVs, and over over 20 half and three quarter ton pickup trucks in stock and ready to roll lundgren honda
2: is constantly loading up on inventory so experience it the best selection of new
0: and used vehicles in the tri-state region for the best price you'll find anywhere
2: consumer satisfaction award winners two years running lundgren honda proudly provides you with an award-winning experience see the latest selection of new and certified pre-owned cars at 409 federal street and lundgren honda of greenfield.com lundgren honda of greenfield experience it
3: this is the afternoon buzz with buzz eisenberg 1015 whmp
0: and my name is Brian Adams, filling in for Buzz on this Tuesday afternoon. Buzz will be back tomorrow. And we're talking with Paul Specter, a self-proclaimed election nerd, community organizer, Democratic progressive activist, uh, trying to organize people to get out the vote. Paul, let's begin the second part of the show with this question. What, in your opinion, is the most important thing that progressives in Western Massachusetts who are so demoralized by what is what is going on nationwide. What's the most important thing progressives can do to influence the vote in other states?
1: Okay, so there are a number of things they can do. They can I know this is a hard thing, but they can go up to New Hampshire and knock on doors. They can make phone calls. I know people go, Oh my God, everybody's making phone calls. They can do the texting stuff. They can write the letters. They can do the postcards. And probably the easiest and still very important thing to do is to contribute your energy through money. Donate some money. Unfortunately, most people don't understand what is the most effective way to give that money. So can I just talk about that for a
0: second? Because
1: it's frustrating when I watch people donating to the national races on the Democratic side to great candidates, but they don't need our money. So the criteria that I say to people are, one, will your money make a difference in the race? And in some races, I know a friend just gave to the person running against Marjorie Taylor Greene, that awful Republican in Georgia. But that money is going to be wasted because Marjorie Taylor Greene is from one of the reddest districts in in a pretty red state, and she's going to win by 20 points. Maybe your money will help, so she only wins by 18 and not 20. But you're throwing away dollars, which could be useful elsewhere. So, number one, does the candidate you want to support or want to beat – Are they going the candidate you want to be? Do they have a chance of losing? Does the candidate you're supporting have a chance of winning? Okay, number two, do they actually need your money? So all these big races right now, one of the great things happening for Democrats is, especially in the Senate, they are outraising Republicans by a lot. And that is great because they're doing really well with small donors. But people like Warnock, Senator Warnock in Georgia, who I love, who I support, who I really want to have win – Or Kelly in Arizona, the Democratic senator from Arizona, Mark Kelly. In those races, the Democrat is outraising his Republican opponent by three to one, four to one, two to one. Money is not going to be what changes that race. So your money is not needed in Georgia and Arizona, um, perhaps even in North Carolina. So you want to look at where can I contribute, where the money will make a difference, where the race is a toss-up, or at least we have a good chance of winning. And that's how I try and help people to focus, especially what I would focus on, are toss-up congressional races in states like Pennsylvania, in Georgia, uh, New Hampshire, where there's also a close Senate race that we want to affect. And that's probably the most effective way you can use your money, is find those congressional races and that's one of the things I help uh, the folks in our group call the Friday Action group uh, I talk about this all the time and when we raise money for various groups we can we've raised lots of money for candidates and we use this kind of criteria
0: so Paul for listeners out there who are saying oh my goodness I want to give money how, how do they know who which candidate to give to how do they get in touch with you or the Friday working group
1: well if they want to if they they can go to our website Friday at all small case, FridayAction.org.
0: FridayAction.org.
1: And they can see there'll be a link to the Zoom. We do two Zoom sessions a week. So each or half an hour, we play great music like you do at the beginning and at the end. Um, they can get on the Zoom session. They can then join on a team. And they can, if you join on a team, you can do whatever you want. You don't ever have to do a project. But if you want to, uh, we start up projects all the time. You'll hear from your team leader you can do a project, you can drop off for a few weeks, you can come back in. And this is also the way that I talk at different times. I have a YouTube talk now through that website on how to give money to different campaigns. Um, and so this is, people can do that. There's also some really great local groups. One of the best ones, by the way.
7: This is Dan. I have a question for you, Paul. Yeah. Um, about writing uh, postcards to uh, yep. uh, democratic voters or swing voters and things like that. Yep. Uh, a couple things that run through my mind. First, what do I say? Is that something you would provide? And the second one, uh, does it matter that my handwriting is terrible <laughs> and doesn't look like it's manufactured by a computer or machine? <laughs> yeah. I mean, not that yeah. I'm really self-conscious about that, but if yeah. you can't understand what's in the card, it might defeat the purpose of getting a card and looking at somebody's handwriting okay. and saying it's awful. But but, but tell me question? the truth about that. Yeah. Uh, what what do I say? And does it matter so, how you write it? So
1: the first one's easy. The first one's easy, which is, yes, we actually when we listen to who we're working with, they know what the message should be. A lot of times I'll read their message and go, this doesn't feel right to me. You know what? These folks know who their target is. So I've learned to trust that. I actually tell our folks, please do not change the message. Do not change the message. That's one of the things that I I tell people when you're doing these cards or letters. So that answers your first question. The second question, you know, the fact that your, your handwriting does not look computer generated is great. The fact that it may not be legible ain't so good. If you end up being someone who really, and we've only had a couple people whose writing is really so bad you can't read it, we find something else for them to do. But that's rare. Dan, I'd have to see
7: your writing. And
1: no, it, it, it hasn't
7: point. reached that point maybe. yet. But. Yeah, good. Okay.
0: <laughs> Paul, your thoughts on the ability of the Democrats to hold on to the House, United States House, and the Senate this coming November?
1: Let me start with bad news and good news. Bad news is the House is going to be really challenging because we're still, even though it's better than the gerrymandering in 2010, it's slightly better for Democrats. The Republicans in a few states have not been allowed to gerrymander the way they did. Um, But still, just from the standpoint of the gerrymandering, Republicans are going to pick up about 12 to 15 seats. They only need about, what is it, five now. So just if everything was equal, they would, they would win about 10-seat margin. I think in addition, given the inflation deal, and if inflation doesn't go down some, that's definitely a strong headwind. I would hope, for me, a victory would be that the Democrats hold the Republicans to under 20 seats going into 2024, because then I think we can retake the House. I think it's going to be a big challenge. I, I was saying to Dan earlier when we were talking 10 or 15 percent is the probability I would give the Democrats of keeping keeping the House. But again, if it's very close, that makes a big difference. In the Senate, I actually think I'd give the very slightest edge to the Democrats to win this. I think the Republicans have nominated some real poor candidates, uh, both in the state of Pennsylvania and the state of Georgia. I think Kelly is a super strong candidate in Arizona, so I think we'll hold those seats. Uh, I think there's even an interesting race in Utah where Senator Mike Lee, one of the worst of the worst, he's kind of a a disliked figure like Ted Cruz combined with the weirdness of a Rand Paul. He's really one of the top five awful Republicans among a crowd of awful Republicans. And um, an independent looks like they could, they might just win that race. We're doing well in Ohio as well. So I actually think the Democrats are going to either end up with their 50 seats or go to 51, and we really, really could use 52. We've
0: been, ta- we've been talking with no Paul action. Spector. Paul is a political organizer, self-proclaimed election nerd. Paul, give us a website of the Friday Working Group one more time for people who and, want to get active and want to talk And to the
7: you. location of where you're located.
0: And the location of where Friday, you are.
1: FridayAction.org. Our location is in Northampton. It's out of my house because we're doing this on Zoom. We're national, but it's out of my house. And I I was going to say I'm going to give a plug for a local organization that is also national, which is Movement Voter Project. I think that's an incredible – you can't go wrong if you contribute to Movement Voter Project as well. They're a great, great group, started in Northampton, also national, um, and, and do great grassroots organizing.
0: Paul, thank you so much for being on the show. Maybe we can have Brian, you back. Thanks for having me. Maybe we can have you back closer to the election and you can give your spin on uh, what's going on both locally as well as nationally. Uh, stick with us and we will for these messages. We will be right back.
3: This is The Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP.
4: The Afternoon Buzz is brought to you by Lundgren, family-run since 1964. Greenfield's largest automotive group is the place to buy your next Honda, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, or Ram. Experience it in Greenfield.
8: For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Congressman Jim McGovern and Ed Markey are introducing legislation today to protect the Deerfield River. The Deerfield River Wild and Scenic River Study Act will begin the process of securing wild and scenic status for major portions of the river. McGovern says he's thrilled to introduce the new legislation, alongside Senator Markey, to secure the national recognition the Deerfield River deserves.
0: Anyone who has ever spent time on or around the Deerfield River knows what a treasure it is and what it means to this corner of New England.
8: The bill commissions a study of the Deerfield River in Western Mass and Southern Vermont with the aim of incorporating it into the National Wild and Scenic River System. Police are investigating after shots were fired yesterday afternoon around 1 p.m. on Forbes Court in Greenfield. Officials say a male in a black Honda Accord drove to a residence and fired at least 12 shots with what is believed to be a 9 millimeter pistol into the residence front door. The male fled the scene and evaded police officers who pursued him from Greenfield through Deerfield and into Amherst. The Greenfield Police Department is working with several units of the Massachusetts State Police to investigate the incident. And the East Hampton Fire Department is giving kids a chance to climb to the top of a fire engine ladder and enjoy ice cream. The event takes place tonight from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. It is free and open to the public.
3: Becoming mostly sunny this afternoon. Breezy, a high of 80 to 84. Mostly clear tonight. Cool. Overnight low of 54 to 60. Sunshine continues tomorrow, a high of 84 to 88. Humidity is back on Thursday. Watch out for showers and storms in the afternoon. A high in the mid to upper 80s. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP the western mass business show with local dynamo tara brewster saturdays at 11 and sundays at 2 only on whmp
2: brought to you by business west the vital business news in western mass is in business west the
3: western mass business show with tara brewster whmp Summer adventures are where memories are made. Add some flavor to your Massachusetts summer by eating like a local. On a gorgeous summer day, head to one of dozens of pick your own farms for the freshest blueberries, raspberries, or apples you can find. Or discover delectable ingredients to craft a homemade meal from one of Massachusetts' local specialty grocers. There are wonderful items to find from across the state. Need some inspiration? Map your fresh food adventure at local in ma.org. Paid for by the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism
8: it's Jessica, owner of Fitness Together in Amherst and Northampton. As the weather gets warmer, I know many of you are thinking about your summer workout schedule. And if you're like me, it's all about finding work, life, and workout balance. Which is why when you sign up at Fitness Together, you'll put a schedule together with your personal trainer that actually works for you, is stress-free, and will help you stay fit, healthy, and balanced. Visit us online today at fitnesstogether.com, Amherst, or Northampton, and sign up for your free consultation. Forbes Library Outreach Delivery
5: Service caters to residents of any age who are homebound due to short or long-term disability in Northampton, Florence, and Leeds. A volunteer will deliver your specific requests or select materials for you based on your interests. We offer books, magazines, CDs, DVDs, and puzzles. Call 413-587-1019 or sign up at forbeslibrary.org outreach.
3: This is the afternoon buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP.
7: And this is Dan Torres in for Buzz Eisenberg, who will return tomorrow. And it is Tuesday, so it is Play Bill with Jackie Walsh. Hey Jackie,
6: there, Dan. how are you?
7: I am doing well. How are you?
6: Very good. I just want to start out by telling people about some of the Theater that's going on in the Valley, Franklin County, and uh, Berkshire County mostly. At Barrington Stage in Pittsfield, we have Anna in the Tropics. This sounds really interesting. July 16th through 30th, and this play won the Pulitzer, I think, a few years back. Um, It takes place in 1929. This handsome man arrives at one of the last Cuban cigar factories in Tampa To entertain the workers and he reads them Anna Karenina and soon it's clear to the audience that there's a lot of parallels between her passionate and frustrated life and the lives of those of the workers so that's at Barrington stage in Pittsfield Um, they also have a play called the Super Duplicate starting July 29th through August 12th it's about a kid who gets superpowers through a freak accident but unfortunately, the neighborhood bully gets the same power. So they sort of fight over this the future of the city. And it features one of the first ever black superheroes. So that sounds cool. That is also Barrington Stage in Pittsfield. Um, Berkshire Theater Group is doing songs for a new world, July 26th through August 30th, at the small and very sweet Unicorn Theater in Stockbridge. Um... It's a moving collection of songs which examine life, love, and the choices we make. And also, drumroll, please, Berkshire Theatre Group is doing Dracula August 11th through 27th at the Colonial in Pittsfield. And they, it was very, um, we were all wondering who Dracula was going to be. And it is Mitchell Winter who was featured in the, show Mr. Robot. I'm not super familiar with his work, but I definitely want to check him out because that is an amazing role. Um, Chester Theater right now, Passover is playing July 28th through August 7th. It's about two men who went out of their Chicago neighborhood. It's a surreal and morbidly funny existential drama. Uh, Let's see. What else is going on? Shakespeare and Company has much to do about. Nothing through August 14th. A Walk in the Woods through September 4th. And Him, July 22nd through August 28th. And we also have a very interesting play happening closer to me than a lot of those plays. It is in Goshen at the... Three Sister Sanctuary. It's called The Grail Knight, an immersive play. It's produced by Theater Between Addresses. And today we are lucky to have director Ezekiel Baskin here to tell us all about this play. Are you there, Ezekiel?
4: I am. Nice to speak with you, Jackie.
6: Great to hear your voice. So this sounds really super interesting. So tell us, it's a retelling of the quest for the Holy Grail. Tell us a bit. About the plot or about the the main gist of the story.
4: Yeah. So the um, as you mentioned, it's sort of a reimagining of the quest for the Holy Grail. It's really sort of asking questions about what is it like to live in a dying world? What is it like to love in a dying world? How do we sort of reckon with the things that our predecessors and ancestors have done? So it uses this sort of Arthurian legends, kind of retold and reimagined to explore those questions, which, as you might guess, have sort of links to some of the stuff we're dealing with Mm -hmm. in our world right now in terms of the climate and sort of other catastrophes and just this feeling of like things really ending and collapsing that I think is we're all kind of living in. And it's, I think, especially about like, what is it like to live in that as a young person?
6: So that's really interesting. So my um, experience or my knowledge of the original Quest for the Holy Grail mostly comes from Monty Python and a book Mm -hmm. I read as a teenager. Was the dying world part of that, or is this something different? It's part of that in
4: some ways. So I think that there's this idea that the Grail will sort of save everyone, will save the world. And Mm -hmm. I think part of what the play is kind of exploring is what – Can there be something that can kind of, quote unquote, save us in that way? Is that possible? Is that real? And what does it mean to feel responsible for finding that or responsible for sort of questing for that? So Galahad in this play is sort of told from the time that she's a child that she is going to be the grail Knight and she's going to find the Holy Grail and sort of fix fix the broken world. And so a lot of what the piece is exploring is like, what are these responsibilities that are kind of placed on us by ancestors and parents and the world? And then it also is kind of exploring several different characters, journeys in relationship to the Grail and the quest. So three different knights, Galahad, Mordred, and Lancelot, all sort of head out on this quest. And then the story also follows. Guinevere who's the queen and doesn't go on the quest, but is left to kind of manage the kingdom in the absence of all of these knights and then Aline, who is Galahad's mother, um, and has sort of instilled this, this quest in her. So wow, that's really quite the a burden. To, characters.
6: That's, does it seem that it was a burden for her to grow up knowing how important a role she would play, or does she embrace it? I
4: think both. I think it's complicated. I think it it's absolutely a burden. It's also all she's sort of known and all she's grown up with. So I think a lot of... What kind of what Galahad explores in this play also is like how do we kind of question and challenge the things that our parents told us we would do or be responsible for, and and about kind of shifting your your framework of the world as well. I think is a theme that comes up. Um, so mm-hmm. there's a lot. There's sort of a lot of play in it.
6: So reading from um, the website that describes it, it says that a trans girl is at the center of the play mm-hmm. playing. Sir Galahad. So tell us about her and uh I'm curious why she's called Sir for one. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So I think the, the Sir question is interesting. I think that, that the script is sort of untangling knight and lady as sort of roles in the society as maybe separate from from gender or related to gender. So in it Galahad sort of has this question of like being being told that she's going to grow up and be this knight and Save the world, but being told she's going to be a son and do that, and she isn't. She's a girl, and sort of identifies as a girl. And so that, I think that question, sort of about gender, linking to sort of prophecy and destiny, and like what you're told you're supposed to be versus what you really sort of find yourself to be in yourself, is is part of what's going on there. And then I also think that we're sort of exploring gender through a lot of the characters in the play as well. So I think that. Galahad is sort of the the center of the main narrative. But one of the things that's really exciting about the immersive format, which we can also talk about a little more, Mm -hmm. is that you can follow any of the characters through the play. So depending on who you choose to follow, you'll get a really different story. And so rather than there really being one central character, there actually are really like a number of characters who you can kind of follow the whole plot line of and sort of explore their interiority and their emotions and sort of complicated feelings about the, the quest.
6: And I'm seeing the two-minute sign from Dan, our tech person, so I'm not going to um, embark on talking about immersive theater, because that's that's just going to take too long. But I want to, maybe you can, for people who are a little shy about new doing new things, can you just tell us, you get out of your car, what do you see at the beginning of the play, and what do you do?
4: Excellent. So you get out of your car, you'll be at the beautiful Three Sisters Sanctuary, which is my favorite place in the whole valley, and I can talk to you more about that later. Mm -hmm. Um, You'll come up, there'll be a box office table, you'll get your ticket, and then I'll give you some information about sort of what you do. You'll find your way to an amphitheater that's in the center of the sanctuary. Everybody starts there, and then at one point, pretty early in the play, the different characters will all leave the amphitheater at the same time, and you get to choose as an audience member who you want to follow around. And so then you can follow one of the characters as they find their way to another part of the sanctuary and sort of explore their story. And then if you decide you want to follow a different character, you can just sort of wander over and follow someone else. So it's very, I would say that it if you haven't been to something immersive before, it's actually a pretty friendly experience. Like there's, what I like about it is there's so much choice and agency for you as an audience member. So instead of just sitting in one place and if you're like, I don't know about what's happening in this place. I'm kind of bored by it. Instead of just having to keep sitting there, you can just walk up and find something else. And so you have a lot of just like autonomy over what you want to do and what you want to experience. And I think that can be really like a fun and rewarding and new way to explore theater for people who haven't experienced That's, that before. That sounds
6: um, so cool. And I'm someone who has a hard time sitting for two hours. So the idea that you can move around during theater is just amazing. So we are speaking to director Ezekiel, Baskin, he has directed or is directing the Grail Knight, an immersive play happening at the Three Sisters Sanctuary in Goshen. It's outside. It's colorful. There's lots of movement. So if you have time, it's this weekend, July 29th, 30th and 31st. And we will be back in a few more minutes with Ezekiel Baskin to talk more about the play.
3: Well, this have have is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP We're knights of the round table, our shows are for the table. So many times we give and brine to our fight, don't sing able. We're awesome, mad in we sing from the diaphragm
5: Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.?
8: Is this week's Shop Friday Corsello Butcheria? Correct! Full value gift certificates and you save 30%. Corsello Butcheria, the Italian-style butcher shop in East Hampton. The meat is from nearby farms. The inspiration is a small family-run butcher shop in Rome. Stop in for a sandwich, for steaks, or sausages for dinner tonight. Corsello Butcheria in East Hampton. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. at
5: whmp.com. 20 years ago, we envisioned creating a brighter future for people and
4: planet. Now, PV Squared celebrates a big milestone. Two decades of designing, building, and maintaining quality solar projects for homes and businesses in our community.
7: PV Squared is a worker-owned co-op. When you partner with us, you get a team dedicated to the success of your project, from your first meeting to servicing your system down the road. Build
5: solar right and do business better. It's the co-op difference.
7: Learn more at
2: co-op.
5: This is Lori Grover, Senior Vice President of the Mortgage Department at Greenfield Savings Bank. This year's Buy in July Mortgage Special is just in time to help counter the recent rise in interest rates. Our Buy in July Mortgage Special offers you an incredible rate that will save you money on your mortgage. If you're in the market for a new home, don't delay because to qualify for your Buy in July Mortgage Special, your application must be received with an executed offer to purchase by July 29, 2022 and must close before September 30, 2022. For more information on our Buy in July Mortgage Special, go to our website at greenfieldsavings.com or call us at 413-775-8200 to speak to one of our mortgage specialists. You can apply online or in person at any of our offices and let the Buy in July savings begin.
2: Greenfield Savings Bank's Buy in July special. Offer good on mortgages for the purchase of owner-occupied one-to-four family properties or condominiums. Offer is subject to change or cancellation at any time. See bank for complete details. Member FDIC, member DIF, equal housing lender. Greenfieldsavings.com.
3: This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMT.
7: And this is Dan Torres in for Buzz Eisenberg, and we have Jackie Walsh here on Playbill.
6: Yes, so we are talking to director Ezekiel Baskin about Grail Night, an immersive play, which is this weekend, the 29th, 30th, 31st at the Three Sisters Sanctuary in Goshen. It's an immersive play. Now, I am no historian of theater, but I, you know, I'm in my early 60s, and I don't remember a huge amount of trends in theater that are memorable, but we have this trend now, immersive theater, which um, this play is, and I think it would be best if Ezekiel tells us what that is.
4: Absolutely. I'm happy to. So immersive theater is, it can encompass a whole lot of things, but basically it's theater where instead of sitting in an audience for the whole time and watching something happen on a stage, you're really like in the action. So there can be different kind of amounts of interactivity in immersive theater. In some plays, you might be able to talk to the actors. That's not what happens in this play. But in this play, I would describe it as like a branching style of immersive. So what's sort of notable about it is there are many different things going on at the same time and you as an audience member get to choose who you want to follow and where you want to go. So in, in the case of this piece, the sanctuary is full of these different really beautiful and magical spaces. And there at any given time in the play are things going on in like maybe three or four different spaces. Mm -hmm. And you as an audience member get to choose sort of what parts of the piece you want to experience. It's more active and, Sort of mobile than a lot of theater, although we do have some plot lines that are more stationary. For mm-hmm. folks, if you're not so, not able to move around the sanctuary as much, so so, yeah, it's very um, yeah. Go on.
6: I'm someone who would never, ever, ever read the last chapter of a book first, or jump to the middle and then jump beginning. So how how does it work having the order not? It works having people see parts of the play in different order.
4: Yeah. So what's interesting about this play is that if, a lot of immersive plays, things sort of loop around. So an actor might perform the same things multiple times. In this play, that doesn't happen. Each actor is performing new content at any given moment. So it's, it's as though the whole play is proceeding in order. You're just getting to choose which parts you see. So like, it's not as though you're seeing a scene that happens
8: Oh. later and then
4: a scene that happens earlier instead it's like if two characters leave and they go different directions you can choose do i want to follow galahad or do i want to follow mordred if you follow galahad you'll see what's happening with galahad at that point in time but you won't see what's happening with mordred and vice versa so it's it's more like you get to choose which moments of the play you see but they're all still happening in order
6: does that and mean the actors had to memorize more material some of them did
4: so they're there is a lot of material. I would say there is about um, two and a half to three hours of material total, and the play itself only runs 90 minutes. Ah. So you can see probably you know about half to two-thirds of the content if you see it once. And then, of course, if you come back and see it another time, you could follow a different character and see sort of new content and learn more about the world of the play. Or if you come with a group of people, you could split up and follow different characters, and then after the play you could sort of chat about it this is one of my favorite things to do when I see immersive theater is to kind of regroup after the play with my friends and be like oh my goodness I saw this moment did you see that moment and sort of just there's a real excitement I think to like piecing it all together as a group in that way or coming back multiple times and sort of experiencing different pathways.
6: And it sounds like um, you and Three Sisters Sanctuary encourage people to hang out there, come and have a picnic and then see the show. And probably you could stick around after the show and chat it up with people.
4: Absolutely. Yes. I think especially if you come to one of our matinees, we have a matinee on Saturday and a matinee on
6: Sunday this weekend.
4: Mm -hmm. And those are great just because it's just not quite as dark after the show. So then there's plenty of time to kind of hang out and explore the sanctuary more. And again, I will just say the sanctuary is such a beautiful space. If you haven't ever been there I think everybody in the Valley should go there. It's just the one of the most beautiful magical spaces that we have in our community. And Richard M. Richardson who made it is such a brilliant environmental artist. And the space is just, it's just magical. Like I can't think of a better word to describe it. It's, it's so unique and beautiful. And I just really think everyone should go there. So I'm, I feel so lucky and grateful to Richard and his team at the sanctuary that we're able to do this play. In the sanctuary, and really to use so much of the space, too, because I think there's, it's just so exciting, like, the amount of different areas there are, and they all feel so different. And in the play, I feel like we really use the whole of the sanctuary space, which is just extra exciting.
6: Right, and if people are unfamiliar with it, if you've been on 112, going to DAR or Ashfield Lake or Shelburne Falls... It's in Goshen, sort of close to the Asheville line, I believe, and outside Absolutely. is a big tin man, or at least there used to be a there is giant a tin, tin, tin man. man.
4: still there. The giant tin man is very noticeable. Yeah. It's right across from the DAR. So also, if you want to come to the show and then take a swim in the DAR afterwards, that was what I did on Sunday after our matinee. It yeah. so hot. Yeah. Um, so it, I think it's just a lovely location, and, and if you don't get up to the Hilltowns that often, I just I love Goshen and Ashfield and Mm
6: -hmm. the whole
4: area. And we're also really lucky to have been supported by a lot of the local cultural councils of the Hilltowns. Mm -hmm. And so really, really grateful for those groups for helping to support like new and experimenting art happening in the Hilltowns. Mm
6: -hmm. And did you plan on this venue because of COVID because it's outside?
4: No, we were always planning to be at this venue. So we actually were originally developing this play about two and a half years ago before covid um we had to put a hold and go onto zoom when the pandemic happened but we've it this play was actually written for the three sisters sanctuary it was written to be performed in this space so that has always been our intention and we're just really grateful to be getting to realize it now
6: wow and i heard we only have about a minute <clears throat> i heard the costumes were created by clay gregory using Swanson uh, fabric from, is it the Swanson store in Turner's yeah, Falls? Yeah,
4: they, they bought a lot of secondhand fabric from Swanson's fabrics uh-huh. in Turner's Falls, which is a great store if you haven't been there. And yeah, Clay handmade all of the costumes that you'll uh-huh. see in the show,
6: wow. um,
4: which is just was an incredible amount of work. And their the costumes are gorgeous. We also have hair and designed by Kai Kalila, who is one of the actors in the play. And it's just—I think everything in the sanctuary space is so stunning. It's really nice. I'm really happy with how it all nice. came out. Nice. Well, visually.
6: tell us how people. We've been talking to Ezekiel Baskin, who's the director of Grail Night, an immersive play, which is happening this weekend in Goshen, at the Three Sisters Sanctuary. And Ezekiel, how do you get tickets?
4: Great question. You can get tickets online at tinyurl.com/grailnight22 and that is Nate, K-N-I-G-H-T. Um, you can also get tickets at the door if you come come to one of the performances. We have lots of tickets available for the matinees, less tickets left for the evening show. Right. We have performances Friday at 7, Saturday at 3 o'clock and at 7 o'clock, and then Sunday at 4
6: o'clock. Okay, and we if you're like... more performances left. If people out there are like me and can't remember um, things, just type into Google, Grail Night" and Immersive Play, in Goshen, and you'll find it. Well, thank you so much, Ezekiel Baskin, for telling us about this wonderful immersive play that's happening this weekend at Three Sisters Sanctuary in Goshen.
4: Thank you so much for having me, Jackie. It's been great to be here
6: and talk with you. Take care.
1: In life
3: this is the, the Afternoon cool. Buzz make with Buzz Eisenberg, things, 101.5 WHMP.
1: When you're chewing on life's gristle, don't grumble, give a whistle. And this'll help things turn out for the best. And... Always look on the
4: bright side of life.
3: Your phone is a radio, your computer is a radio, your smart speaker is a radio, and your radio is still a radio. You can listen to WHMP on all your devices and on 1015-1400-1240. WHMP.
5: What if there were a way to go into cancer surgery or treatment feeling more comfortable and optimistic? Recorded meditations can help. Doctors have said that it makes their job simpler. Nurses tell us their patients may go home sooner and need less pain medication. Cancer Connection creates custom meditations. The only live and local
3: talk in the Valley and for the Valley. valley. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. A Northampton Radio Group station.
8: It's 5 o'clock.